It's the season of expectations. This week, we want to talk about managing our expectations of each other. Like, for example, how do you handle that new grad who's taking too long in the exam room? Is that a realistic expectation or how can we change it? And what about the colleague who's falling behind on their responsibilities or abilities? This week, we want to talk about realistic, unrealistic expectations, and how you can do a better job of letting everybody know what you expect this holiday season. This week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And viewfinders, I know it's the holiday season and we should be talking about celebrations, but we're going to talk about expectations this week because a lot of times as we enter into the new year, we start to reassess and sort of refigure what we're doing in our clinics. And sometimes that means changing your roles, responsibilities, definitions, all the good stuff. But we also want to make sure that we're doing this in a realistic, approachable, achievable fashion. So we got a lot to talk about this week. But before we get into all that stuff we want to talk about, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, once again, it is just a delight to have you on the line here. I know you're recuperating before we get into our big discussion today. How are you doing? I'm doing so good. I'm, you know, enjoying the holiday season. I'm kind of trying to get into the mood, get decorations up at least. Um, waist high. Luckily, I married a tall guy. So between he and I, we're getting everything decorated. And I don't know. It's just honestly, it's going really good. And of course, I want to say thank you to the folks who have reached out. It's like incredible. You guys are all so sweet. So um, thank you for the well wishes. Yeah. And I hear that you wish for another surgery. And I uh, get that you're going to be doing that like next week after we record I got, this. I got my wish. <laughs> yeah, I got one. Um, I'm getting my right knee taken care of. Hopefully, it's the only one that I need to. So I'll be back on uh, at least one foot here, hopefully in the next week or two. Honestly, things are moving along so quickly and we know time flies. And so um, as as much as we know there are moments of frustration, I try to remember is time keeps ticking. That's right. And, and you know, Becky, part of our discussion today was really born out of managing your expectations. You know, Obviously, when you had your your accident, you know, lots of things were happening and, and you were expecting certain things and things worked out a certain way and sometimes they didn't. You know, And, and so we've been talking about expectations, but then you started bringing in some of these like real life things that we deal with in everyday veterinary practice. So maybe kind of give us an example of, of how sometimes misalignment of expectations causes, you know, really frustration on both sides. Well, it's interesting. Um, I have to say I have, my eyes have been really opened in a lot of ways in as much time as I spent in the hospital with human medicine and sort of kind of what they go through and how they communicate. And, um, you know, there's so much separation of care and nurses have a very distinct role from the doctors. And it's just very interesting. And, you know, in the, in our clinics, um, I think about how we have all these different roles and how sometimes they work together. Sometimes they don't. And kind of some of the areas that, I think we see on a regular basis um, kind of clashing of expectations or at least a lack of communicating them. And we kind of pulled from some um, questions you've gotten from folks that have asked you and um, experiences we've had to kind of think about what do we do when expectations are not aligned in the hospital and how well do we communicate them on our end? 
to make sure that folks are doing what the hospital policy or the hospital flow requires. Um, and if they're not, how do we coach them that way or don't we? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and viewfinders, in case you haven't read, uh, you know, I do the opening shots column in each edition of today's veterinary business by North American Veterinary Community. So again, it's the very first thing, opening shots. And one of the questions that Becky was alluding to re- involved a, a young new grad, uh, a young veterinarian who was taking too much time, especially in the exam room when she was talking about cost estimates or discussing additional tests or services. And this owner was frustrated. Her team is frustrated. You know, they say, hey, we have to take over. We have to get her out of there. She can't do it, whatever. And and so it was like, um, I think basically the question, Becky, was how long should it take for a young doctor to get up to speed? And, you know, that's an impossible question to answer. But I did offer some very specific advice on steps I think they should be taking. But, but Becky, really, you framed it in a different way. You said, hey, you know, what's happening here is this is a misalignment of expectations. So maybe just share with your viewfinders sort of what you shared with me about this question when you saw it? Yeah. So I, I started thinking about the way that was written and sort of my, my knee jerk reaction was, I don't know, how long did you tell her she had right? or right. how long does she have? And, and we talk about this a lot, right? So people say, I don't make enough money. And I say, how, how much money do you need to make? And they don't know the answer to right, that. Right. People say, you know, they don't go fast enough. And, and it's like, okay, well, how fast do they need to go? Well, I don't know, but faster than that. So I it, it, can this clinic tell me exactly how long they break down their 15, 30, 45 minute exam block or whatever that looks like? And has anybody talked to this new grad? Now I'm gonna I'm gonna like sidebar here and say this is one of my biggest frustrations in delineation between credentialed veterinary technicians and um, new grads because we expect our credentialed veterinary technicians to come out of school and hit the ground running with a hundred percent in every role. And then our new grads, we ask this question, gee, how long should it take for these guys to be up to speed? That's a good point. Because they want to give them that leeway. When we have a credential technician, they're like, well, well, why, if I have to train them or I have to spend time, um, you know, coaching them through and learning these things, why don't I just buy take somebody off the street. Why would I get a credential technician? So we want credential technicians out of school with experience and speed and ability. And that is so unfair. So I'm just throwing that out there that if you have an expectation that your new grad should quote unquote, get up to speed, then I think anybody that comes into the clinic with a credential out of school should be given that same amount of time. And my question to them is one, how long do you have to give them to get up to speed? Two, what are you doing to support them to get up to speed? And three, what are you doing to offset it? So if you know you have a new grad who's not up to speed, are you hiring a, um, you know, maybe a relief veterinarian to come in and kind of help with keeping things up to speed? Are you utilizing your credentialed veterinary technicians appropriately so that your veterinarian can take a little bit longer if they need to? So there's a lot of questions around that. But to me, the bottom line is, they probably don't know how long she technically has, and they probably haven't conveyed to her what they are expecting and what that time frame looks like. Yeah, exactly. And really well said. And I love the comparison between like a new credentialed veterinary technician expectation versus a new veterinary graduate. So it's really important. It me crazy. Yeah, yeah, the first thing too, Becky, whenever people start, when you hear these 
mismatches in expectation. So I've hired this person or this staff member isn't doing something that I think they should be doing. Uh, in addition to have you actually told them what your expectations are, you also need to do what I, I call reality testing, right? I mean, is it really happening? Because sometimes people are complaining, like in this particular question, the, the veterinary technicians were complaining that she was this young grad was taking too long when discussing cost estimates or additional diagnostic tests. Well, is that really happening? Let's reality test it, right? So document it. And it may be, right? But unless you actually have the data, sometimes you're just going off of emotional feelings, right? And it's really not an issue after all. And now you're going to actually make a mountain out of a molehill, as they like to say. Um, So Becky, I think number one, if you're out there and you're struggling with anybody on your team, ask yourself, have we shared with them specifically, clearly, hopefully in writing, what we expect them to do, right? And this can be a timeline, responsibilities, roles, definitions, all those kind of things, right? And then the second thing is, if we were complaining about a problem, is it a real problem? Have we documented it? Do we have real examples that we, we can t- take to this person? Because, you know, Becky, one of the most frustrating things is to tell somebody, hey, you know, you're not doing a great job with this. Okay, like what? Well, you know, just in general, like, you know, you're just taking too long. That, that does nobody any good, right? Because I'm now, if I'm that person receiving that feedback, I'm like going, really? I don't think so. You know, you don't have any proof. And so I think we need to give evidence whenever possible. Uh, and then the other part of this situation is, asking that person what is their perspective on it, right? Because that person may have complete justification or rationale for why they're taking longer and giving a cost estimate or whatever. And then we've got to help them understand or maybe coach them up, as you mentioned, Becky, in in a more efficient manner of doing that, you know? So I think those are really just the simple early steps that everybody should take. Yeah, and I mean, if it's not your strong suit, there are feedback models, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, there's so many ways to go about this and to say like, okay, here's the action, you know, you're taking too long in the room and here's what happens. Our technicians get stressed out because your next appointment is ready and this is the effect that it has. And then, you know, kind of what that need looks like. So what we really need you to do is limit it to like seven minutes because you have 15. So by the time you do your exam, you have about seven minutes to discuss X, Y, or Z. And, and And then you make it, it's a team effort. So if we know she's not quote unquote, quote unquote, up to speed, then you say to your reception team, we're going to give her 30 minutes instead of 15 until she's up to speed. And then she's getting ahead of herself. You're setting her up for success because when she gets out of that room in 15, 20 minutes, she's been given the room to practice that, get comfortable with that. Again, honestly, also your credential technicians should be having half of those conversations. <laughs> right, if you're right. utilizing them appropriately, I just want to say, I want to take this opportunity to say, um, and so maybe part of it is saying, hey, you don't have to have these conversations. You finish this up, let the technicians know what this additional di- diagnostics are. Let the technician have the conversation. If they have any more questions, you're done with your other room, you can come back in and answer them. Right. Like there's so many ways in my brain to make this work. Um, there's so many pieces and parts that are kind of like, well, first, are you doing this, this, and this? But it's so one-sided the way this letter is written. It's sort of like, it's like her, she takes too long. She needs to go faster. What can we do to make her go up to speed? And there's really no, how can we make it work better? And it's, again, so uncreative to me for somebody to look at somebody and say, well, you're a problem because you do this and you need to fix yourself. And that's just... We just cannot put our teams in a box like that. And when you do, you really are stifling them because um, she obviously has a strength and possibly a passion um, in client communication. 
And I think that there needs to be sort of um, a inquiry into into this. And if she says, I just, I just really enjoy the client time or whatever it is, or I just really don't know what to say. So I talk in circles. Like those rooms are closed and we don't know what's happening behind those doors. And the flip side of that is sometimes when you're in there, the rest of the clinic is kind of behind you. You're not thinking about it. And right. if you are enjoying what you're doing, it's easy to be in there and take too long. Yeah, for sure. And again, I'll, I'll leave the links, uh, viewfinders in the show notes, but uh, definitely check out opening shots in today's veterinary business. I give I give a lot of very specific, you know, and, and even how to use uh, her smartphone maybe to prompt her. But Becky, there's there's another set of this, the issue about managing and misalignment and un- not understanding our expectations. And that's when you're suddenly hit as a, as a veterinarian, as a veterinary technician, as a receptionist, it doesn't matter, with like, um, you're written up. Like suddenly, like somebody says, you did something wrong and you had no idea that what you were doing was incorrect, right? So Becky, kind of give us that example of where you're out of the blue. Somebody says, oh, you know what? I'm going to have to to give you a reprimand because you're doing this incorrectly. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, right. So that was sort of the flip side of this conversation when you and I were talking about it because Recently, I've been, I've been reading, there was sort of a thread about, should I quit or should I deal with this? Because I got written up over this thing. And then the responses from people just were like, that happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me. And I've been in clinics where that's sort of what happens. So what I see is this situation that we're talking about in today's veterinary business turning into, well, now it's a verbal warning or right. now you're written up for taking too long or you're written up for acting some kind of way or doing some kind of thing that is really ambiguous. And, um, you know, when you and I were talking about it, I said it's, it really starts to feel like this ammunition and right. this sort of safety net for the employer who is now really ambiguously defining your behavior and what you do, or even, um, you know, just nitpicking and micromanaging everything you do that turns into basically forget it, I'm done. And that's almost feels like exactly what, how we deal with these sort of, instead of trying to find a way to fix it and trying to find a way to converse through it, we decide, okay, well, we're sick of it. And now we're going to kind of push this person out. Oh yeah. Becky, it's completely absolving the responsibility of the business, of the leadership, right? I mean, this is just a lazy way to deal with it. It's like, oh, you know what? Things aren't going great. That's not me. That's you. (laughs) Here's your reprimand. Or, you know, and and again, this is so frustrating on both parties, right? This is where if you're listening today and you've been in this situation, you know, this is a learning period. This is a learning example, if you will, because Becky, you know, both parties are feeling the same thing. They're like, oh man, this sucks, right? And and you're frustrated as an employer or manager. You're going, this isn't, they aren't meeting my expectations. Suddenly now the employee who's being reprimanded or verbally, you know, written up or whatever, or, or warned or whatever, they're going, hey, I didn't see this coming. You never told me this. So everybody's frustrated. And and Becky, honestly, this is where I, you know, I love job descriptions. I love written training. You know, I love documenting a phase training programming. Like so many of these problems can be avoided just by communicating more openly. I mean, these problems shouldn't even happen. If they're happening, you're doing something, right? Like if you're like, oh, I have these problems, then turn it around and figure out what it is you didn't convey in the beginning. Because people are, here's the thing. Most of the time, the people that are walking through your door are doing the best they can. Now, I'm not going to say you're not going to get lazy employees. I'm not going to say sure. you don't get great people all the time. That that happens, but they are the outliers or you're really doing something wrong. Yeah. But like 
if you're experiencing this keeps happening over and over, we you know all the time it's this one person in an attitude and then there's a next person in an attitude. There's there's some kind of deeper root cause to this and I think just so often because we have poor management, because we have a lack of management skill, and I've said this a million times over seven years, right? The person who's been there the longest ends up in management with absolutely no expectations of their own, absolutely no education for them to be in management, and no leadership skills. It's just that they've been there the longest and they made eye contact, you know? And it's like, right. now you're in charge of everything. And and for a lot of technicians, they want to go into management because they feel like that's the only direction they have that's up. But again, they, the thing to get themselves there is to just stand out in some kind of way. doesn't mean you have HR training. It doesn't mean that you have any leadership training. And so what we do is we just learn to, quote unquote, deal with problems. And oftentimes their leadership doesn't make it clear what they're looking for. And again, if you're running a business, I think so often because we aren't, always corporately run where we don't have number crunchers and we don't have people up at the top looking at and micromanaging each minute of those appointments in terms of efficiency. We don't know what we're looking for. All we know is what we don't want. And so it's like, Oh, you're doing this thing. I want you to stop. I, I don't want this. I know I don't want that. Okay. Well, what do you want? Well, I can't really say, but it's not this. And it's like, okay, well, how am I as a manager supposed to lead a team with so little, you know, guidance from of, of the expectations of me as a manager, other than to fix that problem. Right. So somewhere there's another veterinarian, or again, these technicians who are going to the manager and they're huffing and puffing and saying, hey, our needs are not being met because this individual is taking too long or right, right. huffing and puffing because one person's acting some kind of way. So the way to deal with it is just to sort of like put it under a microscope create a problem around it of your own yeah, and then the, the yep. environment gets so tense. Right, right. And, and I'll tell you too, viewfinders, in, in my experience doing this a long time, whenever I see a problem occurring more than once or twice, you know, I typically blame the process, not the people. And and I know that's, that's hard to do sometimes as a manager or an owner because it's so easy to just to say, oh, well, that's Susie. She's the one who's the problem, right? She's taking too long yeah. or she's not uh, competent or capable or whatever it is. And instead of actually reflecting back and saying, did I train them? Do I have a process? What's the protocol? What kind of feedback do we give them? You know, am I coaching them or training them? I mean, yeah, Becky, I, I, again, I think that anytime if you're out there and, and if you're on the other, you're on the receiving end of this, you also need to take it to the managers and say, look, you know, maybe the problem isn't me or, or everybody else, but maybe we can enhance the the system around us. And I think that's always that's always a, an approach that I'm going to try to try to encourage you to take whenever possible. Well, right, and that's I guess to me again that's the thing is is it like incredibly essential for this employee to do this this exact way in this amount of time or is there a way to alter the system, alter the right. the way that things go to fit strengths and weaknesses of individuals. Yes, Again, yes. you know, I love the example when I talk about compassion satisfaction of just seeing like making it quote unquote fair in the clinic is probably going to debilitate or at least not enhance the strengths of many of your employees. Exactly. You know, and I talk about this TikTok I saw where it was like a preschool teacher who talks about what's fair. And she says, you know, has anybody hurt their knee? Here's a band-aid for your knee. Has anybody hurt their elbow? Kid raises their hand. Okay, well, here's a band-aid for your knee because that's all we're really handing out right now because that makes it fair. <laughs> anybody bump their head? Okay, here's a band-aid for your knee. 
So your head <laughs> suffers and you have a Band-Aid you don't need because that's what's fair. Right. And when we really look around and say, by keeping it quote-unquote fair, so every doctor has this long to do this, are you enhancing or are you decreasing and stifling what they have for strengths? And if you are, then you are also probably not helping with their weaknesses. Right. And again, it just gets back to recognizing what that individual's abilities are, enhancing whenever possible, and then most importantly, giving them expectations and then manage them right i mean that, that this is this isn't rocket science but it, it, it you know it's interesting to viewfinders because at, at first you know a lot of times you know, it, those people say oh gosh you, know, you guys are just talking in circles but the reason we keep coming back to these same tenets is because those are the origins and the solutions right i mean this isn't hard to do and, and again if you are an employee in a business and you feel like your manager your owner isn't giving you these clear expectations, isn't providing you with resources and support, then I think you really have two things you can do. And, and Becky, we've, I don't know, we've said this hundreds and hundreds of times over the last seven years on the podcast. And that is number one, bring it up to manager owner, say, listen, you know, we could do with more structure around here. We need to change things around here, right? And then give them some examples of the change you'd like to see or find a job that provides what you need. I mean, Becky, I don't know what else to say about that. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you're exactly right. And, you know, it, it also makes me think about when I, when I, and I know we're, I'm really focusing on this question that you got, but I think it's a good example of when I think about this um, particular veterinarian, okay, well, she takes too long to explain stuff. I'm interested in what does her client return look like? Right, because right. So, when she's 10, 15, 20, 30% higher client return or client retention, um, when she's constantly being, um, requested, then, you know, she's doing something right by having these conversations and that time that she's spending. And the overall income is probably better for the clinic. What does her compliance for diagnostic testing look like? Is that extra time that she's taking resulting in more people doing the diagnostics she's actually talking about? Because then we're bringing more money in for the clinic. And so again, I, I kind of think about like, how is, how does that look? And then again, really closely monitoring these technicians who have to quote unquote her, her heard her because again this is going to be a bully behavior situation warning yeah. now they're going to click up and be mad at this te- this veterinarian who now is going to have to feel like she's battling the staff and this is going to be a problem for the owner because if we look at this veterinarian and she has a high rate of compliance in her diagnostics because of this time she's taking When she has a higher return rate of her clients and and request rate of her clients because of the time she's taking, and then she starts getting bullied by staff, she's leaving. And when she's leaving, she is taking with her half of her clients because they're loyal now. And she's taking with her the income that because she does this a little differently has a different outcome. So again, is this a problem, like you said, or is it not? So again, I think there's a, and the reason, like, I don't, to me, it's not talking in circles. It's pulling apart all (laughs) of these little threads that are balled up in this because it's so easy to like, look at this as one thing. But when you start pulling strings, you really see where that whole quote unquote problem falls apart. Like it's not a problem. It is, um, you know, like, um, Josh Weisman, you know, one of my favorite humans, he talks about positive, um, psychology and there's a there's a book that's like a the thin book of pos- of uh, appreciative inquiry 
I forget who writes it, but it's it's like 15 pages on a push of inquiry. And, you know, the, the principles are, we're not a problem to be solved, we're a mystery and, you know, to be unraveled. And I think that's really what I think about when I think through this scenario. And when I think through these scenarios of where we kind of just start pushing people out and we start micromanaging and microscoping their behavior in a way that they finally say, forget this, I'm done, because now I can't do anything right. Right. And again, to me, Becky, I love what you just said there. It also boils down to our expectations are that others should be able to read our minds. Right. And so yes, now like yes. you should, you should know what to do. And I, yeah. I hate, but I hear it all the time. And, and the reality is if we expect people to be able to somehow intuit and mind read and, and just figure it out on their own, everybody gets frustrated. And, and you know, and Becky, I do want to leave everybody, you know, the reason we are talking a lot about this is because again, at the end of the year, a lot of times people look forward to January and they start to make resolutions and say, I'm going to make this year my best year ever. And they're going to make some changes and at least think about it. And, and what we're trying to do is maybe catalyze your thoughts and your goals for next year. And, and to realize that there's hope here. I mean, these are solvable problems. I love what Becky said. It says, when you start pulling these threads, you realize, wow, the problem actually is something that we can manage, right? It's a thread. It's not some complex, you know, embroidery type thing. It's not something that would take, you know, hours and years to fix. It's something that you can actually get to work on today, right now. And and I think that there's nothing more elemental, foundational to a successful team, whether it's an athletic team, a work team, a family team, than just everybody openly communicating. I mean, if we could just do one thing in 2024, Becky, it would be to clearly identify what we need from each other. If you can start there, holy smokes. I mean, Becky, everything changes. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing is, is this is the time of the year where we enter into reviews because it's a new Mm. year, Um, you know, pay raise negotiations because it's a new year. And I want to empower the staff to go in there and say when when somebody says to them, hey, this is what we're covering on your review. We would like to see you do this or that or the other, you know, really ensure that they paint that picture for you, that they clearly define what they're looking for. And if that doesn't work for you or it's not going to work for you, don't pretend and just like, okay. Right. But, you know, if it is something like we'd like to see you produce more, we'd like to see you move faster, we'd like to see you... Um, you know, more engaged with the team. Like, don't give me those lines of BS unless you can back them up with exactly what that looks like, an instruction manual for your request. And so I think it's important for people to take this information to feel empowered. It's just like, stop and take a pause and say, wait a second, I hear you telling me this thing, whether it's great or it's not great, or it's like a new piece of equipment or a new practice you're going to do or a new expectation or a new role you're in really make sure that it's defined and it's painted for you because if it's not, you may be doing the best you can in that role and the other person's not happy. And it's it's like love languages, right? You're just not meeting those needs. And and so as we come into time of year for reviews and raises and requests, I just want you to really practice specificity. Ooh, yep, I totally agree. Well viewfinders, how do you handle expectations in your clinic? What do you do if you feel like a coworker or colleague isn't meeting your expectations? Do you feel like you're clearly communicating or do you feel like somebody's clearly communicating with you what you need to do and what they need from you in return? I'd love to hear what you have to say about it. And Becky, where can they tell us what they think about it? 
You guys can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder and always shoot an email over to veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right. And guys, don't forget, Becky is uh, having another surgery. Hopefully, it'll be an outpatient. We want to wish her a speedy recovery so you can drop her a, a get well soon note over at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com or on any of our social medias. Becky, good, good luck. Uh, this is number four or five surgeries. This is number four. Uh, <laughs> gosh, that's a lot of surgeries in a short amount of time. Well, Becky, again, it's so great to, to talk to you. You're up and about. You're working hard. Guys, uh, also, she has been putting in countless hours, too many hours, I might add, uh, on the veterinary industry, giving tree, making sure people get what they need this uh, Christmas season. So, Becky, again, thanks for, for all you do to help. Thanks. And you guys keep your eye out that we may be having a uh, very special event out at Western. So if you're planning to come out to WBC, keep your eye out for an announcement on that. We're going to be having some really fun stuff going on there. That's great, guys. Guys, enjoy your holidays. We will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Good job, Becky. Bye. Bye.